How can we citizens best judge the work of those elected officials and, and other folks in government who rule over us? Well, we can ask questions, for instance, like, do they protect our rights? Do they support free markets? And those are legitimate questions, but ultimately, we have to return to God's word to be able to judge the work of our rulers. And that's what we've been doing on the last three episodes of the Liberty Cafe. And that's what we're going to be doing today, looking at the last part of 21 Principles from the Bible on Civil Government. Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to the Liberty Cafe. What a blessing it is to have you with me here today, as it is every day that you come and listen to the Liberty Cafe. And just for me to know that you're out there working on fighting for liberty and against oppression from a biblical perspective, because I'm sure that's why you're here, or at least you're interested in learning about how to do that. So thank you very much. And also thank you to the great folks over at Texas Scorecard, for being our sponsor here at the Liberty Cafe. All right, so for the last three episodes, covering the last two weeks, we've been walking through Douglas Wilson's 21 Principles of Government. He wrote these as, I've, I think this is where they first showed up anyway, when he was doing a commentary on the Book of Romans and got to Romans 13. And Romans 13 is a very you know, powerful passage for, for dealing with civil government, but it's been widely misinterpreted in our day and age in particular. And so he went back and, and came up with these 21 principles of civil government to, that can be found throughout the Bible that kind of give us a backdrop for helping us to understand Romans 13. So that's where we are. We're in the last five of those, and we're going to start today on principle 17, which is the lot of the people and the character of their rulers is linked together. Proverbs 29.2 is a proof text that Wilson uses. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. That seems very appropriate to our times, no doubt. And, and it, it, you know, I think this works both ways in some sense. If we get a wicked ruler, uh, surely it will make us groan. But on the other hand, most of the time we get wicked rulers we get them because we put them up there. And so we're not groaning just at the wicked rulers, but we're in one sense groaning at ourselves because we're the ones who put them up there. Now, you always have in a society where some people put the wicked rulers in place by voting for them. Others vote against them, and but they still put that person in power because they're citizens of the country and they participate in the vote. And so we can look to others for blame on some of these things, but we also need to look for ourselves and see what we're not doing in our roles, particularly as Christians and our advocates for conservatism and conserv free markets, those types of things. How are we not doing our job, particularly as a Christian, starting with worship, so that our country is being ruled by this wicked person? All right, so that's uh, principle number 17. Let's move on to principle 18, which is Resistance of tyranny is not the same thing as resistance of the established civil order. Jehoiada defended the throne by removing someone from it. That's, and he, Wilson uses 2 Chronicles 23.11. Let me read that to us here. Then they brought out the king's son 
and put the crown on him and gave him testimony. And they proclaimed him king and Jehoiada and his sons anointed him. And they said, long live the king. So what happened here is, and I can't remember the name, but the king, the previous king was on the throne and he died. And his mother, again, I can't remember her name either, basically wiped out the entire royal family except for herself and took the throne herself. But she missed uh, one son of the king. And so that guy escaped. But at some point in time, Jehoiada, who was a priest and who knew of the king and knew the wickedness of the uh, or knew the king's son and knew the wickedness of the king's mother took took the son or the grandson and crowned him as king and then when the mother found out about it she came and protested and in, in fact called them all treasonous but what happened was uh, Jehoiada and the other people took her out of the temple where this was taking place and had her executed. And so what Wilson is saying here and what the Bible is telling us here is that there are sometimes when there is somebody who's in government who shouldn't be in that position and it is all right for the, the people or the lesser magistrates, and we'll talk about that in a minute, to remove that person from power, they are they are protecting the throne, as Wilson puts it, they are protecting the government by removing somebody from it. All right, move on to principle 19. Lesser magistrates obeyed Je Jehoiada, and they were right to do so. So this is also out of Second Chronicles 23. We'll read verses 1 through 3 here. But in the seventh year, Jehoiada took courage and entered into a covenant with the commanders of the hundreds, Azariah the son of Jeroam, Ishmael, the son of Jerome, some other folks that I won't read about in there. And then they went through Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. And all of the assembly made a covenant with the new king, who was the son, in the house of God. And Jehoiada said to them, Behold the king's son, let him reign as the Lord spoke concerning the sons of David." So this is basically teaching us the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, where for the most part, it would seem that when the the head of a government or a government needs to be removed, uh, like, for, for instance, happened in America in our War of Independence, then that war should generally be led or that rebellion or resistance should generally be led by lesser magistrates, people who are in power with um, with authority, and they're so legitimately, but they see problems in those above them, and they act to protect the people below them by removing the people above them. That's basically the doctor of lesser magistrates. And one of the ways, one of the places we find that supported in the Bible is right here in Second Chronicles 23. And of course, that's what happened in the American Revolution is basically, for the most part, the people who attended the Continental Congress were appointed to attend there by state legislatures and, and the people or the people who were in the state legislatures before they were shut down by the crown. And so this was the, the lesser magistrates in the United States stepping up to protect their country against the uh, tyranny that was coming upon them from England. 
All right, let's move on to number 20, our penultimate principle. We must care what company our rulers keep. Panders, whores, flatterers, and the mushrooms of the court are to be despised. And uh, he um, uses uh, Proverbs 25.5 to uh, support that. Wilson, or the Bible reads, Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in right righteousness. So this is, I've worked around legislature for 30 plus years now, and this is a really important principle because what, what I've seen so often is some pretty good men and women running, you know, elected officials, you know, governors and lieutenant governors and legislators, when they have really good folks around them, they do a really good job. But then, as often happens, the really good folks move on and they get replaced with some folks who are really not so good. And it's not so much the talent. I mean, sometimes it's it's the talent levels of the people, but quite often it's the beliefs of the people. And so a lot of the time, these new folks just don't have the same commitment to freedom and liberty, and free markets and conservatism and, and a biblical approach to government as the folks who are there behind them, in front of them. And so the elected official suffers, and therefore the, his rule or her rule suffers as they pass and adopt uh, bad laws or bad regulations or implement those uh, bad laws and bad regulations in their agencies. And it's, it's, it's a really sad thing to watch. So that was principle number 20. And last but not least of the 21 principles of civil government from Pastor Douglas Wilson, he says, and last, Christian history matters, including in our definition of the powers that be in Romans 13.1 must be things like the Constitution, the will of the people, the lesser magistrates, and the balances of power. And he uses Romans 13.1 as the proof text. Let me read that. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been that have been instituted by God. And this is really where you see a lot of the problems with Romans 13. Um, we saw it during the, the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, in that a lot of Christians, for instance, when they saw their rulers coming out and saying, lock down in your house and don't leave, don't go to work, don't go shopping, don't go out in public, just stay at home and protect everybody, they generally went around along lock, stock, and barrel. Now, some churches actually did a pretty good job because they said, okay, these are our civil authorities, and we'll listen to them now. But then while we listen to them, we're also going to be looking at the law and at the Bible and at the factual circumstances and see if what they are doing is legal and necessary uh, to protect us because everybody... In the, in the Christian world, everybody in the world basically knew the, the very harmful effects that were going to come out of locking everybody down in their homes. And so the good churches, the good, the folks who were paying attention to Romans 13 and the whole Bible pretty soon came up with the idea that a lot of what these people are doing are illegal. And they didn't have the authority to do lockdowns where they had the authority to do lockdowns they weren't protecting 
people under the authority that they had, or maybe they just weren't protecting people at all. And soon it became apparent to a lot of churches that this isn't helping us, this is hurting us. And these people in office who are directing us to do this don't have the authority to do that. Well, how do they know that? Well, they looked at the laws these people are operating under, uh, the regulations, but also they looked at the constitutions they were operating under because it's the authorities that we operate under are not just people. Matter of fact, it's pretty clear that the authorities that we operate on, under are all uh, underneath other authorities, and that's laws and constitutions and ultimately God. So if you follow like the governor of the state of Texas, where I live today, or the mayor of the city of Austin, where I lived at that time, and you, you, you look at them and they say this, but just because they say things, that's not the necessarily the authority that Christians should be following. Matter of fact, they should be following if they see something that the governor of Texas is doing, and that is against what the Texas Constitution, the laws of Texas, the Texas Constitution, or the U.S. Constitution says, then those people are free in many instances to follow those other authorities, the higher authorities, rather than what this lower authority is saying. Same thing is the lesser magistrates. Um, if the governor of Texas tells us one thing during a lockdown and a county commissioner or county judge looks at the law and says, that's wrong. And we saw this with some county judges, but even more so with sheriffs in Texas. They, they, can, they are free to say, because they have the authority to protect people under them. They are also free to say, look, I know you're the governor of the state of Texas and I should obey you in most circumstances. But here, my obligation is higher than that uh, to the Constitution of Texas, the laws of Texas, the Constitution of the United States, and ultimately God. And so I'm not going to obey what you're telling me because I'm going to protect the people underneath me. So that's what Wilson is talking about, that if we just, as Christians particularly, listen to what elected officials tell us and do whatever they tell us, we are not following what the Bible tells us about the the path of authority and the source of authority in, in, in our civil government. All right. Well, thank you very much for being with me on episode 132 of the Liberty Cafe. It's been fun walking through these principles. And then what we're going to do next week is take some time to look at uh, different aspects of what the Texas legislature did in this um, in this regular session. We're going to spend a, a week or two on that, just thinking about some of the themes that they did, what they accomplished that was good, and what they didn't accomplish or things they accomplished that were bad. So thank you for listening again, and thanks once again to our sponsors of the Liberty Cafe, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.